Uh, uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen. By uh, here's you. his theme song again. Bye. When you hear the trippy music, you know that it's two o'clock on a Wednesday. You know that it's time for some call me Tim. This is Some Call Me Tim, where we talk about religion and God and all that kind of stuff. My special guest is supposed to be Ms. Zoe Hashimoto. And uh, I was hoping that she was going to be, she studied human, social, and political sciences. We have a bunch of friends in common, and she is a comedian. Uh, I have a feeling that she is certainly late, but that's that's okay. We are on Some Call Me Tim. If you wonder why uh, this podcast is called Some Call Me Tim, it is that uh, in the wake of this political climb, in a time when uh, rampant Islamophobia started rearing its head here in these United States, uh, I was thinking, hey, we should talk about religion because whether you are religious or not, you can still be a moral and ethical person. So that's what that is about. Really, it's uh, just being philosophical and the whatnot. So uh, philosophy today, I was going to bring in in the three o'clock hour on you put your weed in there. Usually I talk to a chef every week. I was unable to book a chef this week, so I started reading again my buddy Jean-Anselme Bullien Savarin was not a professor, but called himself a professor. Uh, taught about the principles, talked about the principles of gastronomy. Was technically a lawyer, wasn't even, uh, wasn't even a, uh, a professor, but definitely a philosopher. Uh, the philosophy of gastronomy and feeding yourself is very interesting. We're gonna talk a little bit today about harmony as well. I wanted to, I was hoping to talk about it with Ms. Zoe Yoshima, Hashimoto because I've been really into uh, Japanese style originator watching uh, reading TV and subtitles and learning all about Japanese culture last night I learned what rice cakes were for real and they're these amazing like sticky things that they make hot on a grill and then they get puffy and they're all like it's almost like rice cheese oh my god Japan is wonderful so uh, I just looked at her picture though and she looks white we'll see if uh Trina Roderick wants to hang around since it looks like my guest did not show up. I'll, I'll call it. She's really excited about a new uh, thing she made from a, a Mark. She made a mistake with a Mark Jacobs sweater and turned it into an amazing uh, piece. You, I was talking about your Mark Jacobs thing. It's really, really great. It turned into like a, a, a sweater cape. It's very, very neat. Um, are you are you busy? Because I don't think that Ms. Hashimoto's here yet. Do you want to hang in and talk about God? Okay, cool. Those are those are better microphones, just because this one is. Oh yeah, go. Yeah, go park. Don't. Yeah, get move your car. Definitely move your car. Uh, I'll do a little bit of uh, reading and background. The reason that this show is called Some Call Me Tim is that I used to watch 
Monty, Monty Python on the Holy Grail. One time in college, we watched it every day for an entire month. Uh, pretty much could quote that movie. And I mean, if you think about the crux of the film and what happens at the end, they were all on a search for something that wasn't even real. And then the whole thing wasn't real. And what's real? Blah, blah, blah. Religion is silly. Uh, so... <laughs> That's why the show is called Some Call Me Tim. So thanks for tuning in. If you're here, we're going to be joined by Trina Roderick after she safely moves her car out of someone's driveway. People are so willy-nilly about their cars. Jonathan, boyfriend Jonathan, constantly like leaves his car places. And I know he's going to get... And I stress out more about him getting a ticket than he does. And sometimes in the morning, he's like, I'm just going to take the ticket. So he'll. it's like $73 for him to sleep in. Street sweeping is a racket. Anyway, this is some Call Me Tim. Uh, here, I'll get my book out. I'm very excited about this book. If you've never heard of it, you have heard of it. You've definitely heard of it. Uh, you didn't know you've heard of it, but it's The Physiology of Taste or Meditations on Transcendental Gastronomy. And there were some meditate, not a meditation, but a precept that he wrote that you'll be very familiar with these um, aphorisms aphorisms of the professor but he's being cheeky because he isn't even a real professor you know <laughs> okay so uh, these are aphorisms of the professor to serve as a preamble to his work and as a lasting foundation for the science of gastronomy one the universe is nothing without the things that live in it and everything that lives eats two animals feed themselves Men eat, but only wise men know the art of eating. Three, the destiny of nations depend nourish themselves. A lot of other people say that it's, uh, that that translates to feed your, feed your soldiers the, um, the, the right. An empty stomach is not a good political advisor, said Albert Einstein. Uh, four. This is the one that you all know. Tell me what you eat, and I shall tell you what you are. So that is the... So you've heard, you've definitely heard of, of Brilliat Savarin before, even if you didn't know it. Um, tell me what you eat, and I shall tell you what you are. So, you know, I, I feel like God and food are very entwined and that we cannot live without food. And I, I, it, it's a weird... I mean, does God exist? Blah, blah, blah. We're, we're these creatures that exist on the world, and we can't survive without consuming mm -hmm. and yet there can become a moral dilemma between what we choose to eat and what we choose to eat kind of politically says yeah. who we are as well uh, and who we are politically in this climb is somehow representative of our religion yeah so it like all kind of circles around and, and gets really funky but we're joined by Trina Roderick of Quantum Division Tuesdays 10 to noon. Well, I, I think there's a biological reason we're so food obsessed. And, you know, when you... I, animals, for example, my cat is all about food. Right? Yeah. Like dogs and cats, that's one of their top priorities is their food. It's, it's at a mammalian, I think, level. But do you think that your cat has taste? Oh, for sure. She loves See, gamey chicken. My cat has taste, too. Oh, for sure. But dogs are like... Well, they they'll also eat anything. have they'll well, but they also have tastes. Right. 
I mean, but there are some they? things they prefer. But that's the same thing. This also comes down to when we think like, oh, cats and dogs, do they have taste? I was taught that cats and dogs don't have a soul. So from my religious upbringing, and that's when I sort of made my break from Christianity. When you said that Whiskers was not going to heaven, I'm like, and Boots? What are you, are you kidding me? But for them to say that my cats don't have a soul is basically saying that my cats didn't have personality and my cats completely had personality. They connected to me as beings. But somehow we... Oh, it's just an old-fashioned, uh, you know, uneducated understanding of human nature and, of, you know, I mean... Are we meant to communicate with animals? I mean, if you go back to the Bible, in, and it says in, you know, the Garden of Eden, man had dominion over all the animals, right. and he was able to use convenient. them at his leisure. I know, isn't that convenient? But, like, are cats aliens? Sometimes I think that aliens have actually been here because giant squid are aliens, Right? Like they came from another planet and they inhabit our deep. I mean, it's so fascinating that we have these basic fundamental questions and are forced to just go through life. Like, I don't know. But I do know that, um, you know, my present cat, I got in graduate school and there was when I first got her and she first got acclimated to living in my house there was one night when I was just I was sitting on the bed just bawling crying just bawling bawling crying it's life graduate school graduate school is tough it's very stressful and she I looked over next to me to my left and she was sitting with you know sitting there looking at me worried so worried the worried look on her face was just she you know what I mean and she wasn't thinking, is she going to be able to get up and feed me? Right. <laughs> she wasn't thinking, this bitch taste smells like gamey chicken. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like, she got it. Not only did she understand, yeah. right? She and, was being empathetic. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, she's very empathetic. And I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I feel like cats have... That how If, if that's not a soul, souls, I know, what what's it, a... Right? right. I, my what cat communicates I with know. me all the time. Like... And he has great taste. Or Coco, the that the 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 gorilla that they talk sign oh, language right, 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 to, right, 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 right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Coco could lie. Coco you could have a lie. Soul, right? That's he funny. destroyed the kitchen sink, ripped it out of the wall, and guess what he did? He lied about it. He blamed it on his little kitty cat. That's so funny. He had that a is little so kitty cat, funny. and he blamed it on the cat. <gasps> that says a lot. The cat about did it. The cat did it. Right? That's hilarious. So then. If they have the capacity to lie, that basically that basically says in the Bible that that was the crux between, you know, it was don't eat this fruit. Did you eat this fruit? No, I didn't eat this fruit. But it was the choice to do something good or bad was what the tree of knowledge was about. Right. So exactly. once you have the ability to lie, that means that you're right. sinful and human now. So. So are, that's crazy that the apes, I you know what my cat would lie too. And we have no fucking idea whether or not the whales or the dolphins. We don't know what the yeah. fuck they're saying. Yeah, absolutely. They're definitely talking. They could they're be having graduate seminars for all we know. Yeah, is an idiot. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's actually that's very funny. They're having they're all having TED talks down there like right. they're like whoop, 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 whoop. TED talks. Right. We've been doing that shit for a thousand years. Like, right, no, no, no. no. <laughs> They're pissed off at the alien squids. Right. Well, <laughs> those the squids aliens, are those squids are definitely aliens. I Here's mean, the proof. 
They are weird. They're huge. They can be like 30 feet long. They've got in crazy, amazing tentacles. They're deep, deep in the ocean, which is much like space, probably, with its right. vacuum. I mean, or whatever. It's not, I mean, I guess water, of course, water is a vacuum because you can't get any air in it. So they're yeah. down there, just like in space, in a vacuum, living their squiddy lives yeah. for a hundred years, taking over shifts. See, that's the thing. That's the thing about religion that kills me. It's like whatever you believe about where, whatever, whoever God is, whatever, whoever and whatever it is, they basically are like, you know what? You guys handle this. <laughs> the great They're Lord Cthulhu. They're the fuck out of it. Clearly the fuck out of it. I mean, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, I don't think... But so much of religion shapes our politics right now that I feel like the concept of religion can't be ignored. Definitely not. And then if we look at... A lot you know, of historical value. It's a man-made creation, and therefore it is valuable. It is deserving of being studied, but as a man-made creation, sure. not as a supernatural power. But the thing power. is that there is fervent real belief in these oh, things yeah. from the different right. facts and right. sections. For sure. Well, well, that's how I first stumbled across the concept of these movements all having the same kind of a trajectory was watching, fascinatingly, uh, a documentary about the English language, which you might enjoy. You would probably I love really, the, really, the it's a BBC series. I'll, I'll forward you the info. Um, but it's about the English language and the Bible on topic, right? There was this huge, huge push with the, when the King James Version, before the King James Version, sure. right, was Latin. Right. And so there was a movement to change the law about the Bible being, being in Latin. Right. Ha, it was a social because movement. It, right, right, right. Because it's it's only accessible to the but priests. Follows the same and, trajectory. But it goes all the, the way right. back is that in that time, women still weren't allowed to read, but it was right. everyone wasn't allowed to read. Right. So and that the only people who knew how to read were the priests. Nope. And the only one they that had. They did not read Latin. That was a huge part of the problem. And again, this total, right? This, yeah. this fucked upness about it. It had the same kind of fucked upness, right? right? Only men could be trained to read Latin and those right. were the special people no, that were passing. And they didn't even, they didn't most even of the, it. they found, like King James did a study. He found that most of the priests didn't They even, just memorized it. Or they didn't even know they it. It was know all, it all just, it was all crook. Mumbo jumbo. Bullshit crookery. Sure. It was, you pay me for your salvation, uh, this money that was all right, tied to um, money, Indulgences, right? Catholic indulgences. Exactly. The indulgences are really interesting. Right. Which so, is why the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence call themselves that because they're making a play on the indulgences right. and that they take money and give it to other people. It's, I had a sister on here and it was very right. interesting. Sister Rosemary Chicken. She was oh, great. Cool. <laughs> she was exactly. awesome. Um, but it was the indulgences and we talked about indulgences and that it's the weirdest thing in Catholicism that you're allowed and that's the difference between Christianity man Christianity and Catholicism as a Presbyterian the way I was raised I was taught that Catholics were a cult and I find that very interesting because of all the ritual and stuff they said oh well they're cultists but that's silly because we came from them and so all of that stuff always made me like a little bit like like this is okay but this isn't right but the indulge so as Christians we believe that we right. pray to our we have a we have a unique relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who died for right. our sins and we pray to him and say thank you for taking away right. my sins I didn't mean to cheat on my boyfriend or I didn't mm-hmm. mean to steal that girl's paper or I didn't mean it's to cheat in class whatever behavioral therapy quite frankly right so right? here I am I mean, talking to Jesus but directly but the thing with the Catholics like rec- but rec- the Catholics said no you couldn't just talk to Jesus you right. needed to have a priest in the middle because only they could talk to Jesus so you had to absolve yourself to the priest and then they would tell you how many indulgences you had to buy so you literally purchased the ability to sin or if you sinned you could buy an indulgence to 
repay the sin you had because Jesus knew you were going to sin anyways. So you just have to make up for it by paying for it. Right. And so what you get is these <laughs> people with the psychology whereby they, it's an inconvenient truth, mm. right? It, they, they don't want to look at it that way. They instead look at it as, oh no, this is a, there's a religious reason for this. It has nothing to do with the fact that I am personally benefiting financially from right. it. And, and this is part of the, the, part of the problem I feel like we have with the second wave feminists is that they are the way we have been doing things is subtly undermining women in ways that are mm. not obvious mm, like mm-hmm. with the victimization stuff like we can't fine we championed victimization in the second wave feminist movement but now that concept of women as perpetual victims is keeping up us out of the executive washroom right mm. and so but they won't but, but they're too invested in it ego is invested right like this is their position their right their rightness is invested nobody likes to be wrong about anything we hate being wrong we avoid right so with all of these sorts of ways we oppress people we oppress ourselves women oppress ourselves these but the the personal benefit the subjective personal benefit gets is is something that we're often oblivious to when we adopt these beliefs that support it, it's like the inconvenient truth. Like it's going to cost like these companies money to be more environmentally, uh, whatever. Well, and you, so they you know about to believe in world, just don't accept it as true. Do you know about you knew about the World Trade Center with its? Uh, it was supposed to be both of them were supposed to be overhauled for asbestos. The first sixty-seven floors that were built. Um, there was a law that was passed in like nineteen seventy-two or something that said that you could no longer have asbestos. Uh, in buildings. So one of the mm-hmm. towers had more and the other had a little less, but they stopped the asbestos about halfway up. Well, the guy who bought the buildings three months before the World Trade Center uh, destruction realized that it would cost more money to right. refurbish them and take the asbestos out than it would be to have them destroyed. So inconvenient truth well so they exactly so but people won't admit that or talk about that at all that he not only didn't have to pay for the demolition but he also made like seven billion dollars off to wow right so it was one of those things where we just kind of blind ourselves to the concept that there could be mass that humans are worth less than money to some people that money well, is worth more than humans well, to that, some people. that money corrupts. And so we can expect people with money to be corrupted around that issue. Well, to value money more than people's yes. lives. That and is that, awful. every person that is very, very bad. money, that just, it's, it's like, it's like, I feel like what we're doing is we're going on a, an hour-long road trip and we're putting um, in a five-year-old in the car with a... Tupperware full of cookies <laughs> and expecting to get to the end of the road trip with any cookies left. Right, there's right, we no just, cookies. That's, well, you're going to have like, cookie vomit all over the back of the well, seats. Or whatever. Yeah. But, the, but my point is like, we have to understand and anticipate human nature in a way that we, in that kind of same kind of manner. Like, oh, if yeah. this person is in, in a position where they're in a lot of power, they are going to be highly, highly susceptible to sexual harassment, blah, 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 blah. Because I'm in power. I want what I want when I want it. Get it to me now. We just do the, we all play mind tricks on ourselves Mm. to get our needs met, to like continue to get our needs met, even when somebody challenges us and is like, hey, wait a second, what you're doing is hurting me or you're not entitled to what you're doing. It's just that's what I love about Fieri is that he he really I think explains well why 
we the recognition that we are all both simultaneously oppressor and oppressed ah uh-huh. because as long as we remain in denial about our own true nature as both right it gets us fucked up we're not vigilant we're not we it's easy to be in denial oh yeah it's fun times so you're you're not religious you don't believe but if you said you'd have to pinpoint a belief would you say feminism but you can't really it's hard to believe in feminism right now I mean you kind of have your own brand I'm totally agnostic I mean I don't know right but I you, mean, you still I have beliefs yeah oh oh but about, it, well, about I, anything I have, if you weren't gonna observations of human nature that I that lead me to inferences about about things if that makes any sense well but I don't know. The, the, the crux of the show is it's like what do you believe in and you don't have to believe in God. And you don't have to believe right. in any specific religion. I used to believe in God. I don't believe in God anymore. But I used to. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, me too. I was baptized. I still have... Oh, yeah. I mean, like the majesty of the universe seems a little bit too crazy to be haphazard. But maybe it is. Maybe, I don't know what's going on. But, like, you know, I believe in cats. So, <laughs> it's like... But everyone who comes on the show has, like... There's something. There's got to be something that you say this this governs uh, this governs my moral and ethical choices kind of thing like oh yes something that you sort oh, of yeah, believe sure. in I, to oh, I, guide I, you like you don't require well, okay, these in, texts well yes and no um, i mean when i was in undergraduate i was a philosophy major oh, and religious studies minor okay and so all of my academic undergraduate study was all and also I was in philosophy I was also focused on ancient ethics like Aristotle Ah. so I mean that's all not only was I sort of exposing myself to cognitive behavioral therapy but also I mean like inadvertently I mean because they were at the time wrestling with like everything was considered what we now consider philosophy, like all science and like throughout history, it like gradually broke off as we became more knowledgeable, knowledgeable about all of these fields, right? So when you study ancient philosophy, you're also studying science, you're studying religion. Physics, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but they were really, really wrestling with like these psychological concepts because we were all plagued by pain and we're all mm. frustrated by not being able to have as much pleasure as we'd like in our lives. and wrestling with how does this work why is this happening i think that back then though people were also a lot more brutal like if you totally i heard that if you plotted against someone they'd just chop your tongue out like that was just a thing like if you ever Uh, spoke ill or if you were a woman that slandered someone or they didn't like you because you were too loud or whatever they just cut your tongue out but this is i think (laughs) i think a big part of the reason yeah but i think a big Part of the reason for that is because these are people who are on a daily basis putting a knife to the throat of an animal and cutting it as part of their. I mean, I don't mean in a kind of religious ritual, but like the reality. It could be religious ritual too, but yeah, they're definitely. But the reality was they had. They were actually more physically involved in killing animals to provide for their own sustenance, and so like that act was something that they actually did I think considerably more often right we are totally and completely sanitized yeah absolutely from all of the blood all of it it just seems so foreign to our our nature (gasps) right to engage in anything like that yeah and and whereas they were doing it on a daily basis yeah right No, that makes sense. Because uh, food, again, food is religious and political. You can't survive right? without food. I mean, that was probably the third time they'd cut a tongue out of something that week, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because tongue's actually right? a delicious I meat. Mean... 
It's uh, it's funny too because of the sacrifice. There's uh, when you think about God and you think about food and things like that. When you sacrifice a goat to the to God and burn it all up, that's like that's a huge sacrifice because yeah. you could have yeah. eaten that and lived and instead you're burning it to the heavens because you believe that the crop is going to suck unless you but maybe unless you don't else. eat this but maybe. there's something we still do it in religion that's the whole thing is it's about denial no, it's like denying no. yourself something sacrificing but you do that in just all moral you you're you're you know Often that's what morals is, is sacrificing your own selfish needs for the greater good or the good of the family, you know, going, working to support, you know, back in the day before the student loans, working to support your sibling in college because Mm. that was the only way it was going to get paid for. I mean, it, it doesn't like morals and religion because of, you know, it's all man made morals are man-made too i mean and men have been writing about morals for a long long time i mean it's always been us i mean think it's like a um, soylent green oh, it's you know, people like, it's, it's religion people. is made of people oh, yeah, like it's yeah, all yeah, us yeah, it always yeah, yeah. has been us and that's that i believe that I, yeah and i also think that there been. is a definite truism to potentially wherever, however, whatever else is out there, because clearly there's something more than just this. I mean, we there's a universe out there that's that's, and they I say mean, it's constantly expanding, I which I don't understand is. that at all. I don't know what is out there, but but there is something to like. I fairly regularly engage in a prayer that goes, um, "I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you." And not only does that work really well in my life like shit falls apart if I stop saying it huh but it also sort of it's the basic tenets of all religion to be grateful right to um express love right to uh express to acknowledge one's faults yes right it's the basics we, we have to learn how the to acknowledge four faults. elements I was, I was, no, I thought there was a ghost. Oh, uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My car. My no, ghost I'm, car. <laughs> I know. I believe, I, I, so I kind of believe in ghosts sometimes. I don't know. I believe that memory and imagination can be so strong that we, that we call up whatever we want to see and experience, yeah. especially, and I'm on so many psychedelics all yeah. the time. I mean, who knows? Well, it was really fascinating <laughs> to think about ghosts when I was living in Los Angeles at the Jonathan Club, which was an exclusive male club. Uh-huh. Like, to imagine, like, all the prostitution that went on in the same place, the same site, the same location where I was sleeping every day. Yeah. You know, like, anyway. Well, I think about every time I ride the uh, the, the the cable car to, to Dinkin. Yes, exactly. I think, like, my grandma this used to... so modern for somebody. Well, she used to ride it every day to work. She rode this, you know, the, and it's funny because she might have been on the stream, same streetcar that I'm on. And I love the ones that go up and down market that are from other places like Pennsylvania or whatever. And there's one from Italy and you're on it and it's like 1927 Italy, this streetcar. And it's like, oh, it's so cool. Italian futurism. I wonder all the people that were like supporting Mussolini and yeah. on this car. It's so right, cool. Right, exactly. Like just to imagine like, it's and then maybe they're still there. And, like it was yeah. hard not to imagine. Like, what if they really were here watching me fuck this black guy? <laughs> you know what I mean, what if I, I had an audience? Yeah, it's, I try. I try not to have right? sex in, in public in San Francisco, but some people are into it. I don't know. Like, oh, and assholes. I'm a lawyer, so you know what is I mean. Sex like, in public from, like, illegal. It's illegal, right? Huh? Sex in public is illegal. 
It's got to be. I would think. No, I mean, this Public is my indecency. apartment. I live oh, there. Oh, in your apartment. I'm in the people my apartment. I see, we aren't in the streetcar anymore. Well, I was still I'm on the streetcar, but now yes. we're back in your apartment, <laughs> sorry, your old-timey sorry, apartment. Sorry, yes. No, no, no. My old-timey apartment was built in 1934. So, there. I mean, I wonder if someone died in there and if they right, slept yeah. in the closet like I do or if they slept, like, what, yeah. how they had it set up and did they have a cat and yeah. uh, weird stuff. Yeah creaking hallways and yeah this building was built in 1904 so it was before the earthquake it withstood it and um before the radio station was in here for years and years it was a lady who made dresses it was a not millinery because that's hats oh cool it was alterate she made like quinceañeras and dresses and stuff wedding dresses quinceañera dresses pretty dresses um and then the station took it over in the early thousands but before that I don't know I don't know what it was some sort of storefront uh so you believe you're I, I find you to be a very moral and ethical person do I you try to be do you sure. I mean almost when you have to try to be moral and ethical it's like without I mean it's it's funny to think like oh my natural impetus isn't to be isn't to make the ethical choice or if you don't even acknowledge no. that there is a choice like me I'm trying to think of because I usually kind of see to my pants kind of stuff, unless it's something that I'm actually thinking about, then I, but in like, you know, daily interactions, I don't often find myself questioning my morals or my ethics. Mm-hmm. Although, I don't know, I, I try to stay on the, I, I feel like a lot of times that 30% of my day is me trying to stay out of other people's way because I feel yeah. like nobody else is appreciating the two foot radius anymore mm-hmm. of themselves in space and how yeah, close they right. are to people or when they're off to see the wizard and they're walking like four with their arms linked and it's like, right. we're on a street all together. Right. Where are you going to get, why do you have to stand all in all? Have you no concept of human, mm-hmm. anything other than yourselves at all? Mm-hmm. So that like, so I spend a lot of time thinking about that, which I guess is like a, sort of a it's just me trying to be thinking about the people around me and trying not to be oblivious which is almost a moral choice because I could just walk around like everybody else and run into people and no but I think that's part of it is is recognizing that it is extremely difficult to be objective about yourself and how important it is to have people in your life that are willing to call you out on your shit Mm. I mean that's my goal my I value me doing the right thing and I get that that's difficult to do and my preference is to have people around me that don't just oh sorry yeah no it makes sense well I mean it's if you're the type of person that says they're going to do something and get something done it's impossible to hang out with people that say they're going to do things and then don't get them done you just you can still hang out with them it just means you don't ask them to do anything because they're not going to get it done well (laughs) that's what's hard about feminism is that like we are not supposed to have any needs Ah, you almost by definition are all about getting your needs met if you are in the executive washroom. Right. And so how can we, anyway, you know, that's. But that's what I was taught through Christianity is that the the best way to show love is through service. That uh, giving that for sure. Yeah. We were absolutely taught to value valuing ourselves because we were in service to our families absolutely right. and and i felt that like i mean i remember the bible verses um there's even a song if you want to be great in god's kingdom 
Learn to be the servant right. of all. But again, I think it's the man. If you want to be great, and men were also in making God's laws, kingdom. like secular laws on the same. Right. right. So it's I don't. It's. It's I, there was so much in the. It was so upsetting for me as a child because I was studying the Bible pretty hardcore because they were making me and stuff. But I've always been a person to say, but wait, 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 wait. What about women? What about? Mm-hmm. And and they would they always shut me down. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff in the New Testament about. Um, there's a whole thing about parts of the body, like an eye and a hand and different parts, different, different people are different parts of the body, which is the church. And women are a certain part of the <laughs> right, body, which right. is the church. Absol- yes. And it's right. But it's right. It, all, all, all the way through there's, there's the heroines of the Bible are, um, the, the heroines of the Bible are, oh Yeah. The heroines, the heroines of the Bible are, are subservient and not, they're like, so you've got Esther. Uh, hey, Esther saved the entire Jewish people. Wow, how did she do that? Uh, was she really good at puzzles? Was she, uh, was she clever? Uh, was she um, influential in politics? Nay. Uh, she had a hot rack and didn't look Jewy. That's pretty much what Esther did. She was... Um, she was a, a, her parents were dead. She was a, an orphan and she was in the care of her uncle Malachi. And the king had this thing where he was like, he wanted, the king wanted his wife, Queen Vashti, to prance around naked at his party. So basically there was seven days of drinking and the women were off drinking in their own little group and the men were off drinking in their group. And it was a seven day thing. And uh, the king says, hey, Queen Vashti, get your ass on in here. Walk around naked with nothing but your crown. Show my boys. My hot queen. And all the women in her group said, don't do that. And she said, no, I'm not going to do that. And he said, what the fuck? Get the fuck out. And everyone's like, kill her, kill her, kill her. And he's like, no, I kind of love her. So I'm just going to exile her. So Queen Vashti's gone. And here comes, you know, Malachi, the Jew guys, like they're having like a contest, right? And they're like, all the beautiful women go to the court of the king and someone's going to get to be the new queen, or at least they're going to be in the harem. It's going to be great. And he's like, hey, Hadassah, you sexy little minx, you, you, my, my niece who has no parents, you're good looking. Let's change your name from Hadassah to Esther. And then girl, I'm going to take you to the king. She's like, okay, that sounds great. I'll listen to my uncle because I have no ability of my own. Ha, ha, ha. But I'm very, very pretty. I have a hot rack until the Jewy. So Malachi brings Esther to the court of the king and they're like, holy fuck, who is it? Wow. So she's in the harem of him for a while, but she won't like give it up. And he's like, she's the hottest or whatever. So she's the queen now. She's the queen. And she saves the whole Jewish people. There was a war. There was this other guy. But the whole point is that she didn't save the Jewish people because she was clever or great at politics or super intelligent. It was because she had a hot rack and didn't look Jewy. So that's what the Bible teaches us is that feminine appearance and and servitude and listening to your family is the way to go. Yeah, that's what men were teaching us. That's what everyone was was teaching us. And and it was just so much a part of what people believed. I mean, like I was saying last week. It's in in the the Torah and the Bible. Same thing. 
but, yeah. but I mean, religion was just so much part of who they were as people. Like, like the feminist stuff in the first wave. Oh my God, so much religion. It's really difficult yeah. to read. It's like, shut the fuck up already about like God, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's just like a sermon. It's like right. with feminism spliced in every now and again. And, but it's all man-made. I mean, men in a period in our history were just engulfed in this whole religious fervor. They're still using the the bio. They're still the I just retold the story of Esther pretty much. Exactly. Exactly the way it is. Right. And we're still saying. So why would we think, oh, there's some mystical god out there who happens to say exactly the same thing. Right. And all the guys who are trying to turn women into sex robots. Right, sex robots. Since the beginning, right, of time. Exactly. That's yeah. before Prost, the oldest profession, they were trying to make sex, sex robots out of women. Yeah, right? absolutely. They were like, okay, fine, we'll pay you. Fine, fine we'll pay you. <laughs> right? I know, fine, you can have some, you can have, and even on that, there's a worth and a scale and a, a amount that you right. can be paid or what you have to do. Coquetry, co- coquetry or well, okay, fucking so French creating romance in the 1700s. So we're currently in the postmodern era, yeah. right? And it's called postmodern because the last era was the modern era. Right. Well, the word modernism modern, in the twenties, yeah, right, right. So Modernist I poetry. think they should rename the modern era, which starts at the beginning of Christianity, as the Christian era, huh. because I think also the Christian it's the era as it is ending along with the mass mass amounts of people who believe in it like it's only a hundred years ago that was 1920 only right. a, less than a hundred years ago when everyone even even 50 years ago even right. even 40 right. years ago exactly. if you if you look at the cover-ups of the catholic right. church and how they were abusing children right. sexually abusing children in horrible ways and and that was happening and no one would listen to them because their parents were so ingrained because catholicism was such a part integral yep. to their family structure yep. integral to their way of life integral to their community into how they view themselves into the community into their place in yep. the community everything was based on this Super construct nice. that the cognitive dissonance that they couldn't get past was priests are touching little boys and little girls even high school girls the keepers my god did you see that on the on the netflix um, it was just abhorrent what yeah. this these crazy guys these priests did to high school girls which well, just wrecked them and they talked yeah. to them as adults and they're like I remember this was but they thought even then the priests were well, able to subdue these girls into quietude for years because yeah, they played right. on I am the priest mm-hmm. this is what you're supposed to do this is how you absolve your sins mm-hmm. you come to these special things I mean but yeah. it's also a good example of why we can't deny mammalian passions hmm. like food Right. Like sex. Sure. We can't deny any of this. All It's a balance. But that goes back into Christianity, which is sacrifice. So men become priests and they have to sacrifice something. They have to sacrifice their ability mm-hmm. to have sex. God, right. the Christian God right. that we believe in, yeah. always demands a sacrifice. Oh, the, the medieval hair shirts? They would torture themselves. Like literally <gasps> They'd torture whip themselves. themselves. <laughs> whip themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Self-flagellations. Yeah. Twice. I mean, I can't, like... Like they were fucked up because they're just not evolved, right? We they're Is not that, educated, they're not evolved. Imagine, they're I like, think they're gonna say that about us in twenty. Of years. course they are. Yeah, definitely. Fifty years, they'll be like, def- oh my god, those they, women in, t- in the two right. thousands couldn't oh, get it oh, together. Oh. Seriously, I honestly, the I think that the way men 
talk about jacking off and stuff like that so much yeah. now is going to seem like, like, I think that's going to die down at some point. Like, There will always be dick jokes. They well, start with, look at Shakespeare, your cod piece. I mean, there's so many dick jokes in Shakespeare. It's hysterical, which is also I a guess. female word. Yeah, hysterical comes from from the Latin of the hyster, the hysterectomy, well, about, and, the, and the woman-based hysterical. They'll, They're crazy. Maybe they'll talk about it, or maybe they'll do it less. I mean, I just, part of me can't believe it's sustainable in part because it's just a, such a time suck. Like, I can't believe these guys are actually competitive in the workplace if they're jacking off. How many times? Like, how are these employers not work. getting a resume with a male name on it and thinking to myself, well, this, not only is this potential employee going to look at a lot of internet porn is if they're, if it's available to them <laughs> on the internet, but they're also going to be heading to the bathroom and jacking off several times. At least according, I'm not trying to criticize. This just sounds what I, what I'm hearing is happening I, out I, there. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, I don't understand. I mean, masturbation at work. I, Work from home. It's that easy. Everyone can work or, from home. Now. It's not a moral thing to me. It's more just you're less competitive. <laughs> I look at that as a woman and I'm like, how am I not kicking your ass? I mean, and that's, I think, part of the reason women are kicking guys' asses is because they are more, they're, more of their time is distracted. Like, if you, if it takes like 95 hours a week, it's like if you really want to be successful at something, plug into 95 hours a week and, yeah. right? Yeah, sure. No, I mean, I, I, I do that with radio and comedy, but I don't, I don't give any one thing 95 hours a week. I think it's like everything is a sort of shotgun blast, but it's about 95 hours a week. Right, exactly. I mean, it just, right. I hope that it all ties together. Any distraction <laughs> is, you know, we're, that's the world we're living in. It's just a really competitive world. We it's don't have the kind of time to. So competitive. But I, I think morals is really about everybody trying to get their needs met. I mean, this is part of the reason I really love nonviolent communication. I talk about nonviolent communication a lot on my podcast. I mean, it's really about getting your needs met in a way that doesn't deny somebody else their needs. Right. And being empowered enough. Well, nonviolent communication is about is not enough about being empowered. But I personally believe we all need to be empowered enough to have needs, request our needs. Be more sophisticated. You, you know, you're exactly right. Because the only time that I've had enormous issues with people are that they, in, in public and in, in other areas, they've expected me to meet their needs in a way that I was not able to at the moment that they needed it. Mm -hmm. They required my attentions that very minute. Right. But I unfortunately was unable to attend to their needs because I was working on something of something else. I was attuning right. to so many other needs right. that I was not able to give them the attention. And they, like a little baby, threw a big fucking fit because mommy couldn't pay attention to their needs at that moment. Right. And then suddenly I'm a cunty bitch because I am a racist and I'm not paying attention to their needs. Well, it's nothing to do with you being an African-American gentleman, sir. It's that you feel entitled to my attention this very moment. Right. And I am unable to give that to you. Right. Or right. maybe I don't ever want to give you my right. attention. Right. <laughs> and well, I, that's and, my choice. But also, I mean, the it's needs, of, though. It's the needs. It's it their is. needs are getting met. And, and then they blow lashing up. out, we, we like don't get our needs, needs met one way, in one area in which we're unable to lash out, right? Yeah. Like we, you know, get beat up at work, so we go home and kick the dog kind of thought. Right, stuff, right, 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 right. And so, right, right. It, it, don't ever kick the dog. <laughs> or the cat. Or the cat. 
I would never, my kitty, he's so old now. He's like, I mean, he's so, I used to push him off the bed when he was being a dick, but now I don't even because it's like, I work, I mean, he's 15, 16 years old. I can't, I can't just kick him off the bed anymore. I have to gently put him down on the ground and be like, I love you, Spike, because I can't. Yeah, my cat's getting older. Yeah, he's getting, he's getting up there. But I mean, if we all even could identify, I mean, just like, as I've been starting to try to on my own do nonviolent communication, um, it's own. difficult to identify what your needs are. And then, you know, then when you acknowledge that you have a need from somebody who, you know, is in power and is going to fuck you up if you ask for your need to be met or, yeah. or is, thinks of them as themselves as being more powerful than you, right? I feel like that's what happens to me a lot. I'm as, you know, a small, uh, female i'm like the, the easiest person to beat up in the room you know and it, it, i feel like i'm i'm constantly in part just because that's human nature to attack down and i feel like people perceive me as an object which can be which is down and therefore can be attacked if that right. makes any sense well it, it there's a thing i, I it, it doesn't exist in reality yet but i think that we should maybe write the idea together but it's mm. we're we're cute. We're cute girl. We're, we're women, right. but we're still cute. And therefore we're infantilized in some yes. way. We're girls. And right. even, I never right. choose, I'm never going to get married again. So I'm never going to be a wife, but why do I have to be a girlfriend? Why do you have to right. infantilize my relationship with my adult boyfriend? Because well, when the word was developed that they were really young kids. But there's a thing with, right, girls and boys and that. But, well, because they got married like at 20. So, <laughs> right. Like, girlfriend, boyfriend. But, the infantilization and the cuteness, it's almost as if people can't take me seriously as an intellectual yeah. because I'm cute. Yeah. Or they can't take me seriously as but the a media, professional, a media professional because yeah. I'm cute. The media is created. The, the, the images, we never see any images of women outside of these roles. And right. that's really, really constricting us. I never see anyone who has my experience right ever yeah I mean, me either we need no write, me either we need to write a script we need to write a, sh- an, a series because i don't see it anywhere and, I, yeah. and that was what was so groundbreaking about sex in the city is that it didn't tell the whole story but it went way into the reality of what women were talking about sure sure like we didn't and we've got a lot uh further to go absolutely sure. Well, when I lean into the glass ceiling, uh, I like to do it with my shirt off so I can get my boobs right up there and make a nice like titty <laughs> right. imprint. You know what I mean? I like to lean in so people can really see the cleavage. Right. Right. That's how I lean into the glass ceiling. I back into uh. it and break it by accident. <laughs> yeah, you backed into it. That's funny. <laughs> that's I was like, really, whoops. That's a great Bowl in a china <laughs> shop. <laughs> Did my bad. Break the glass ceiling over there. Sorry. That's very Wah, funny. Bro. <laughs> It's it's hard though. No, I agree. I've, like, I and again, I don't want to wear my resume on a T-shirt or something. But I've never met anybody with the experience I have, and yet I'm this right. unemployable. Yeah, I know. Thing no, I, that I is like way. nobody. I don't fit in anywhere. I don't. Yeah, I don't fit in. People and, freak out when like like they're just like especially in grad school. They were like, oh, you know, basically just like be your, you know, be yourself. And it's like, but no, yeah, but every yourself. time I've even tried that a little bit, I get shut down. No, no, no. I almost got <laughs> brutally. I almost so got kicked out of. I almost got about? kicked out of grad school Hell like not. twice. There were oh, there's it's a just new this rule. double talk where anyway. There's a there's a new rule at 
uh, San Francisco State University that was put into place in 2010 because of me. I passed out a flyer. On one side, it was a for the word party, which is... Um, they still have it. Uh, they're great. And uh, they, it's live stand-up bass and poetry. And now it's at Piano Fight. But this is years ago. And it was at the mm-hmm. word party. Cool. And on the other side, there was a poetry show at the Stud. And I was in it. So I was passing out flyers. And Cameron Forsley had done a piece of art. And he's a local cartoonist. Um, and there was um, an African-American woman with no arms. And her boobs were kind of out. And um, she was being kind of raped from behind by a a horse with a big cock and a little white man on the horse. Oh, and wow. it was the state. It was really crazy, right? It was totally crazy. But when I got to class, I said, hey, there's this poetry show. The, I said, the, the flyer is just pornographic. It's just hor- horrific. But if you guys want the thing, I'll pass it out. So everyone's like, yeah, I want to see it. So they took it. So at the time, I don't have internet, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the girls in the class is African-American, lesbian African-American, and always put herself together very well. She was very pretentious. Mm-hmm. And... I don't have internet, so this whole thing is flying around on internet for a week oh, about how Pam no. Benjamin is a racist and she should apologize to Pam. my mother and my grandmother and everybody's mother. It gets all oh, the way Pam. to the provost, to the school that I'm this racist person. Oh, so it Pam. ends up becoming a thing. I chime in finally. I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. I don't have internet at my house and I wasn't at school this week and I'm back in it. I'm like, wow, well, I'm sorry I didn't say it was sexist or that it was racist. I just said it was misogynistic and sexist and horrible I didn't I didn't even right. see it as a race thing I just saw it as this is terrible toward all women not just right. black right. women just right. but it was a statement made yeah. by a thing and it's about yeah. this and yeah. on the other side is the word party it was innocuous but I know it really really offended this one right. African-American lesbian feminist in the class it was very very upsetting to her very triggered so mm-hmm. there became a rule at San Francisco State that you are no longer allowed to pass out flyers of any kind without express written permission wow. from your professor before class. I'll bet they institute that on all CSU campuses. Maybe. Well, it's the Pam Benjamin rule. And so when it happened, one of my advisors, I was like, I got to quit school. I got to get out of here. And, right, of course. And he was like, Pam, don't worry about it. Just yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Nice. And then uh, they took away the, um, they took away the, um, open mic for me because uh, I sang my song and and the refrain is um, I'm Judy Garland not some fucking dyke but it's it's about it makes sense in the context of the songs it's about a guy in a sales island who thinks he's Judy Garland and it's very very funny and mm-hmm. and all my dykey friends love it but one of the professors was super dykey and she after that said I am so upset she cannot run Velro that woman is not okay and they yeah. took it away from me and I was like I thought this was a free speech. Get a little bit edgy and a little nope. bit humorous with these people. I was just, and I, you're I feel so naive. I feel yeah. so naive that I didn't realize before I went in how. I'm ne- I wanted to be a professor and I realized after those moments that oh, I will no. never be a college professor because nope. I truly believe in free speech and I cannot play no. the game. Oh no, it was very quickly obvious that everyone there was a huge sellout. <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> but that does that have anything to do with their personal integrity? Like for me, sellout yes. is like on the number yeah, one. It does. Like ethically and morally for me, selling out is like the worst thing yeah, I would rather too. I would rather like On starve with my integrity me too than I would oh, yeah. sell out and say oh yeah like if 
if someone, if, th- so this almost happened, clear, ch- I thought iHeartRadio came after us mm-hmm. and they wanted to give us some money and they wanted to give us like 10,000 a month. And I didn't realize they were clear channel owned. So I did a, just a scratch of research and realized, oh my God, they're clear channel owned. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of realized wow, like, good for you. if they would have given us money every month, mm-hmm. everything would be gone. They'd be telling us what we could yep. say, what we couldn't yep. say, what we were supposed to do. Yeah. It would totally change the entire model of everything yep. we're doing. Exactly. It would... It would be, yeah. it would just be, I would be right. a sellout. I feel like a huge part of my pain and frustration is like the pain of figuring out how to get my needs met without selling out and without doing the wrong thing. Mm. And I was talking to somebody about nonviolent communication and this whole concept of, yay, everybody gets our needs met. And, my, and I was talking to a client about it and she was like, well, yes, but my ex-husband thinks he's entitled to get all of his needs met, right? right, right and right, I think right, that right. The, the difference is we're all, we are all entitled to get our needs met, but we're not entitled to the strategy we've adopted to get our needs met. And what yes. happens with people is they're very limited in their ability to think about Wait, sometimes the first again, the first step is not even realizing you have a need, you know, being able to articulate that specific need, right. what it is. And then the next step is how do I get that need met? Like, what sure. is the strategy I'm then employing? And, right? and sometimes we employ, okay, so here's a perfect example I have an ex husband, and mm-hmm. I was very, me too. Oh, good. I was very insecure when I we were when we first met, when we were first married. I was very insecure about my own body image for whatever reason. And he was not a complimenter, but I needed compliments. So the way that I would go about mm. is I would fish for them and mm. I would say, right. I look fat in this. Do I look fat mm. in this? Mm-hmm. Do I? And so I knew that what I didn't know. Well, what I needed was I needed to be complimented by my significant other. Right. Because me saying that I think I look a certain way wasn't enough. The mirror wasn't enough. I needed I you needed were physical some negative feedback from your brain that you needed. I needed physical sure. positive yeah. uh, validation from my right. partner. Yeah, and I was not getting it, mm-hmm. and so I the way I went about it upset him greatly, and I never knew that, right. and it would just piss right. him off that he. So then I'd start doing it, and then I'd be like, "Well, why won't you?" And instead of like finding a way to meet my needs, right that didn't involve this well, weird because, manipulative self-deprecation right. thing that annoyed him I could have I, if I would have More recognized directly, the need I, I could have done a lot of things yeah exactly I could have changed the way I thought recognized that yeah. what you were doing was not working and that what you were doing was actually trying to get that need met right and um, yeah, I just didn't I didn't know but that that makes sense so it's about you have to break it down to what are this person's needs? What are my needs? Yeah. Or no, just what are my, just, my needs what and are then my express needs them. And then, oh, but I, I see, I see, I see. That's, I think, I mean, it's a four-step kind of... But women aren't is, supposed to be honest about their feelings. That's the problem. Well, no, the problem is... <laughs> you're not supposed to tell anybody no, about your feelings. we're not supposed to have feelings. any negative feelings. Right, right, we're right, right. We're right, supposed right. to be playful, Sugar and sexy. spice and we everything nice. We can have nice. sexy feelings. We can have playful we feelings. We can have feelings. nurturing yeah. feelings. We can't have any angry feelings. We can't have any negative feelings. Essentially, we can't have any feelings that need to be dealt with, which would then be a drain. We would... Therefore, then not be a support, right? We're right. supposed to be a support, not a drain. Sure. The big problem with Bill is that he's a drain, not a support. And we need a president who has a support as a You said Bill, spouse. like Clinton. Uh, 
Oh, Bill Clinton. Yeah, that's the problem. Oh. He is a drain on her. He oh. creates fires that she has to put out. We oh. need a president who has someone who is a support system. I think Michelle Obama would be a great would oh, be a I great president. Oh, I think yeah. she'd be fantastic. She could win it hands down. Absolutely. I would love it if she I would love it if she won. I really hope that, she, that they are taking a really long break. And that she, I mean, you don't need to campaign for very long. Mm-mm, not at not all. as somebody like her, not somebody who is that well known. She's amazing. I think she should take as she much has, rest as possible. And she's so genuine. Like and I watched intelligent. her. Uh, she, so intelligent. So genuine. So caring. Yeah. A great mom. And, and did the whole thing for all the school lunches. What a, it's great. Obama would be a great. First lady. Oh, He'd so be amazing. He would have his own, you know, be, that'd be so cute. He could pick up whatever yeah. thing he wanted to. Yeah. He could be like, hey, I always wanted to like champion basketball for inner right. city youth or right. for all youth or right. bringing I, he could create something amazing and but fun. I feel like I mean that's a part of the problem with power though with Bill like when you're in these positions so many women just volunteer hmm. I, th- I hear right. I don't even really know I don't know but how, how do you work. if you're constantly being handed stuff and fed stuff um, how do you Turn it down. Like, how do you make the right choice when it's really, really easy? I think that right. is one of the harder decisions to make when it is because right at your fingertips and you say, no, that's not the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, that so rarely ha- ha- happens to me. Like, I'm like, no one ever gives me anything. I would, that's one of my biggest, like, poor me complaints is I sit there well, and I'm I guess like, I mean, in terms, I see people no, throwing people No, come on, that's not bone. true. You could, you could fuck your way to the top. You could fuck your way well, into Well, yeah, but whatever. that's the thing is I would never, and, and that's, and that's what I was taught as a, as a I mean, I was taught that is, too, but I'm not going to do it. Right, right, right. Is that I could be a, it was so funny when I left my husband and I moved here, I don't talk to my mom anymore, but one of the things she said to me. Um, was from where? when I moved from San Diego and I left oh, my okay. husband and I moved up here uh, so my mother told me she said why don't you just um, get a nice silk suit and uh, cover up all those tattoos and go down to the financial district and find yourself another husband and it was well, like what? I mean but that's the thing that's the way they thought they thought you need a roof over your head I mean me and my grandmother got in a huge fight I wrote a little, nice little essay about it and I and I I'm fr- I went to a hypnotherapist actually to try to figure out the argument because we had a huge blowout argument about why I was not going to marry a man or find a man just for money right I was like I'm a lawyer grandma yeah yeah what the fuck are you talking about? Right. I get to choose somebody who supports me and who does nothing but just have an awesome personality that I can enjoy all the time. That's what yeah. I get to do now. Right. right. Exactly. That's what we gained. Exactly. Let me enjoy like the there what there is to enjoy about anyway. Well, this was the trip and I think I mentioned it last week, but it was uh it has to do with feminism, masculinity and religion. Uh the Muslim woman who was a lesbian in Iran, mm-hmm. who uh, had a sex change to become a man, and now she gets to be in the temple and do all that shit, and her brothers, she's sitting around all her brothers, and they're like, yeah, if she was a woman being a lesbian, we would've murdered her for being a you know, wow. dikey fag or whatever, and they're like, now she's a man. This He's, has no basis and in they're, religion. They're calling him, I mean, it's great. I totally believe in 
gender fluidity and you get to choose your own gender. I I completely, I'm totally fine with it. But it was so interesting to me that in the Muslim culture, they're so anti-gay and so anti-women that if you transition into a man, you get all the rights and privileges. There's a a loophole. It's the loophole. It's the coolest loophole. I'm like, damn, that's great. Right. You get to pray in the thing in the mosque and the, yeah, it's great. To a certain extent, what, what does religion really matter? What I do all day, every day is deal with people as little as possible, quite frankly. But like the people are the only, you know, the people that I come into contact with on a daily basis, which is small. Yeah, I know. I, it's bigger than, well, you don't perform as much as you yeah. should Well, that's do. true. I'm going to get back out. Yeah, get back out there. Well, you're doing Friday, but this is how we'll sign off with um, the amazing Trina Roderick. Oh. She actually hosts now every, not she has two shows, four hours a week. So Tuesdays from 10 to noon, Quantum Division, and then now Fridays, from six to eight, happy hour open mic here at Mutiny Radio. Uh, you can sign up, get over here at five forty-five. She runs a, a great show, and uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for filling in on some call me Tim. This has oh, been of course, of course. super enlightening. Okay. It's you're Tell such a philosopher. Hi, you're hi, so Tim. red. Oh, Tim. and I was a religious studies minor, so that's awesome. I mean, I. Yeah, I wish I would have studied it uh, in college. I was just, 18 years in my youth was enough for me. <laughs> it was enough, enough Bible. That's why we yeah. still have sparkled Jesus here to remind well, us that we're all religious sinners. Studies, you study all the other religions. Oh, I'm yeah, that's cool. Like, man, Shintoism's a trip. Uh, well, all of it is. I mean, whatever we decide to make up as humans. Some call me Tim, and it's not because of Tim. It's because of the Monty Python and the Holy Grail. There are some who call me Tim, the sorcerer. Oh, oh, That's what it's about. Oh, oh, oh awesome. Uh, awesome. But yeah, thank you for being here. Um, hour two, we're going to see what's coming up next. Uh, we're going to be right back here on MutinyRadio.fm. <laughs> are back for hour two of some call me tim this is the segment you put your weed in there and we have special guest chef justin ivy hey what's going on hey. everybody hey how you welcome doing welcome to mutiny radio thanks so much for coming down to Absolutely. talk about food Thank you for and the invitation it's good to be here yeah i'm excited so uh where do you cook uh, i cook all over the place i'm actually starting up a business right now i can't divulge too much but we can kind of tease it um basically i uh i cook uh, i'm classically trained Ooh, from where uh cca in the city okay. back when it was still in the tenderloin and it had some soul right yeah. 
I witnessed many crackheads come through the program. It was a good time getting to cook alongside people that had all kinds of color. Um, but basically, I've gone, uh, I've pretty much done every job you can do in the industry. Um, it's something I really enjoy doing. I, my father was uh, one of the only things that he could do where uh, he felt like he was free was cook. And uh, he passed that on to me. And so at this point, I, I went to school because he never did. Oh. And uh, I've been doing it for about 15 years. Uh, I got out of school about 15 years ago. What's the first thing you remember cooking as a child? Oh, God. Uh, my parents' brains out. <laughs> I'm not sure what the first thing I cooked was. I, I think the first thing anybody gave me any recognition for, because it was weird that I did it. I think I was eight years old, and I pulled out uh, Joy of Cooking, and I uh, I made an apple pie from scratch. Wow. Which at is eight? cool. Yeah, at eight. You know? How was your crust? Oh, it was amazing, of did course. You, no, you, I don't remember. Did it you was, use ice water? You don't remember. I have no idea at this point. I have a hard time remembering most of my childhood. But <laughs> um, I know that everybody was stoked and amazed that I had done it. And, uh, you know, I'm not much of a, a patissier or a baker or anything like that at this point. It's more savory is where my bag is at. But um, so if, if I had to put myself in a box and compartmentalize what it is that I do well, it's uh, comfort food with like a, a logical twist. Huh. Yeah, I, I kind of want to bring, uh, like, I, I support where everybody's at with, like, sugar-free, gluten-free, all that stuff. Like, you want to be vegan, you want to be vegetarian, you got your own thing, fine. But I feel like a lot of times people get away from, like, grandma-style cooking, where, like, right. everybody sits around the table, and you kind of all have this, like, element of just letting all the BS go. Can we can we cuss? You can totally cuss, Okay, yeah. sweet. We're internet-based. So, like, all right, bitching. Um, yeah, the, the kind of food where everybody gathers around and slows down, because everything's so sped up these days, and the kind of food that I cook, it's more just, like, it's simple with, like... I don't know. I got a lot of soul that I try to incorporate. I would, but I got to do a show after this. Thank you very much for contributing. Um, I uh, I kind of take a little bit of whatever is around and uh, I put it together however my mind and, and my heart tell me to do it that day. You're like Iron Chef. Kind of, yeah. I mean, You're like I got a cabbage and... Yeah. And chicken and, and whatever, whatever you got. And, yeah, and yeah. kale, and all of a sudden you have something going on. Yeah, I, I was hired several times to kind of like try to save businesses that were like hemorrhaging money. And oh, like, well, food cost is a huge issue. It's, it's like, an enormous issue, and it's something that people don't consider a lot of the time. Like, you got a 92% failure rate in restaurants nationwide. Yeah. It's because people, it's, it's a romanticized notion of like, I've always wanted to have my own place. It's something that my family always talked about, but like, people don't have the back. Background. They don't have the history. They don't necessarily know what the hell they're doing in the kitchen. And food costs. Like you get full chickens, take the skin off, crisp it up, yeah, make use, bones out of the stock. Use, use the everything. yeah, use every part. But if they're just like throwing the skin away, it's like no, you put it between two sheets of stuff with the parchment and crispy, crispy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a way to use everything, and you can get a lot of stuff out of the stuff that you throw away that gives it that deeper uh, like resonation it, it gives you that extra like 15% that speaks to a part of you that uh, we don't really like access anymore because everything's so sped up people want stuff to be available right now people go to Chipotle or Mickey D's or whatever uh, the hell it yeah. is that's available and it, it's garbage but people don't think about it because they're just trying to save time save a little bit of money yeah. and uh, people don't spend the same amount of time these days in the kitchen trying to do that familial kind of connection thing right like um, Mont Ball soup. Yeah. But you make, you take the chicken, you take the bones, you make the soup, you take the 
chicken, you dice it up, you cook it, you make the flavor, you got the make your own matzo balls from scratch, you gotta, you know, and then you could even garnish with the chicken skin, you crazy people. Oh yeah, you but- garnish it over the hell you want, really. <laughs> I love matzo ball soup. That's one of those things that it brings you back also, like the the textural comparison contrast between the the simple broth and like that that squishy that bites back almost the matzo. Yeah, no, it's yeah. wonderful. But uh, yeah, no. Easy to so. put weed in matzo balls too. Very. It's easy. easy to put weed in anything, Pam. It's That's true. the thing. That's I, true. I love the theme of your show. <laughs> I've been telling people about this for the last couple of weeks, like because uh, I, I watched. I grew up on Saturday Night Live. Oh, you right know, on. Me with too. Schneider and, and Sandler. Yeah. yeah. The whole like, hey, you got this uh, sweet box here. You could put your coins in there, or you could put your weed in there, man. Yeah. No, I've been uh, I've been trying to reminisce on that with people for the last couple of weeks. But uh, okay, so like you want to talk about something specific, right? Some recipe? Yeah, sure. So like I was gonna come in here and talk about like the uh, the the like the thing that set off the whole idea for my business, but like what I think I'm gonna do instead is just tell you about what I made this morning for breakfast. Sounds awesome. All right. So like, um, basically, I'm I'm also gonna uh, like give some love to a bunch of people around town that help uh, basically make this morning's breakfast so there's a there's a bakery out in santa cruz called companion bakery they make incredible stuff uh, i went in there yesterday for the first time because i've been hearing about them for a long time and i got a loaf of what they just call simple it's like 60 percent wheat 40 percent um ap and uh it's that sort of bread where you cut it open and it just like brings you back to a place that you may never have even been you know you cut it open and there's all that aroma and you, you the, it's got the bubble texture on the inside it's lovely lovely bread um, so I just took a single slice of that about, uh, maybe about half inch thick, three quarters of an inch thick. And I took a cast iron pan and, uh, put it on medium low heat for about probably 90 seconds and, uh, put in some bacon fat and a little bit of, uh, sunflower oil that's mixed with a little bit of coconut oil. Let that come up to the point. I mean, it let the, the pan heat up, then put in the fat and, uh, put the, uh, the bread down, squish the bread down. So it adhered to that fat and just left it alone you don't touch it right you want to get that nice crispy texture on one side while that was going i uh i hit the other side of the pan with a little bit of that fat and i had julienne about three quarters of an onion right put that in there so you got to hear that right when it hits the pan if you're not hearing that you're not doing it right right you want to feel the heat in the pan first before you add your fat or you're doing it wrong right when you put your fat in you want to see it kind of shimmer a little bit see that heat traveling through the fat and with the onion i put in one serrano that i cut lengthwise take off the head take off that stem leave the seeds in you want that heat spice yeah give it a little bit of love right so cut it lengthwise cut it uh, each each half into four or five different lengths and that went in just left it alone let it sweat leave it alone while that was doing its thing in the pan where we at i took uh, four eggs and I took maybe a teaspoon of hot house, uh, or no, 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 pardon me, pepper house uh, hot sauce. Okay. Just this marvelous hot sauce. If you guys haven't tried it, I recommend it. It's like, I love Tapatio. I don't touch Tabasco, but like, I love hot sauce. I grew up with a dad that like signed waivers to get hot sauce and shit. You know wow. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind yeah. of thing that'll kill exactly the average the, person. Right, the ghost pepper. Kind yeah, yeah, yeah. Of stuff. Dokley yeah. chili, exactly. Uh, but like, we, he was, he was a poor dude, and like, he, he was a, a tough ass man that didn't never want to go to the doctor so anytime i got sick he'd just be like eat this and it'd be like the hottest thing you could imagine and just cook whatever uh whatever garbage was running around it's your not system a terrible out. idea because garlic turmeric yeah, and no. ginger are, will 
force anything out of your system. Exactly. It clears your blood. It's yeah. a little rough for the first couple hours and it might be a little rough coming out the next sweat. day, but yeah, yeah, it clears you out. Okay, so back to what we're doing. We got the, the Serranos in the pan. You, you just got the Serrano put, you did something with in the, the pan eggs. with that three quarters of a julienne onion. You got your single slice of bread, beautiful bread that came from Companion Bake And no shop. butter. You've got, I got no bacon butter fat. In there. Bacon coconut, fat. coconut oil. Was it solid or was it liquid when you put the coconut? It's in? A, it's a blend, oh, so okay. it's it's a cooking blend, good to about five hundred degrees. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it's it's sunflower and coconut oil. It's a very flavorful oil that's got a very high smoke point. Wow! Okay. So you got your bacon fat in there for the flavor, and you got the others in there kind of for that like savory element to tie it all together. And um, so that's in there doing its thing. Four eggs with maybe a teaspoon and a half of the Pepper House hot sauce. That all gets whipped together. Set that to the side so that that's ready for when these other things come out of the pan. Uh, I took about a quarter of a barbecued chicken breast, took the skin off and Julian the skin, set that off to the side. And uh, the quarter of the chicken breast, that got sliced thin, real thin, like maybe two millimeters each slice. Uh, set that off to the side. While that stuff is still in the pan and these things are being set off to the side. I doing took his mise en place, people. He's exactly, doing his mise exactly. while he's doing it. Also, just so you guys know, all of these things were out of the fridge and on the counter before any of this began. Like she's saying, like Pam is saying, you got to have your mise en place ready so you're not scrambling. You're not going to burn anything. Nothing gets scorched. You know what you want to use. And if you don't want to use it while you're putting it together, put it back. But have out what you want ready. So... um. On the counter, along with all these things, I've also got Greek yogurt, I've got stone ground mustard, I've got organic huh. mayonnaise, I've got that Pepper House hot sauce, I've got basil, I've got a raw... Fresh basil or... Fresh dry? basil, of course. Um, I've got a uh, raw smoked cheddar, uh -oh. um, and I think that might have been most of it. Something else will come up while I'm composing this in my mind. Sorry, I think about everything in pictures. Um... So at this point, the, the bread is toasty. Flip it over, hit that other side. Not as much because it's nice to have the contrast where one side is crispier than the other, right? And you, if you leave one side a little bit less toasted, a little, a little bit less of a, 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 a color on there, it soaks up some of that flavor mm. uh, like a sponge. So I didn't, I, I put just a little bit of color on the onions and the, uh, the serrano that came out of the pan, set it off to the side, let it finish with its own heat. Uh, let that bread do its thing a little bit more, took that off, set it off to the side, not with the onions cause you don't want them to soak up that juice quite yet. Uh, with the, the heat that's in the pan, I turned it all the way down cause the heat it stays in a cast iron pan. And one of the things that people do all the time that I recommend you guys not do, or at least try what I'm going to say, is you don't salt your eggs. You salt your eggs after the fact. Uh -huh. Because when you salt your eggs beforehand, the lecithin that's in the eggs, it makes your eggs rubbery. All right? So all those eggs go into the pan. I didn't add any more fat because there's a residual fat left over from everything that had already been cooked. Okay? So the, the, they go in real low heat. That hot sauce has been whipped in, and you put them in, leave it alone for a minute. Uh, so you got your chicken over here on the side. I took uh, two full-size basil leaves and rolled them and did a chiffonade. Chiffonade is basically when you take a full-size leaf and you roll it into what would look like a joint. And then from right to left, you slice it real thin. So you get these real beautiful little curls. You take all those curls after you've sliced the whole thing up and you fluff them so that you've got a little bit of body, a little bit of bounce in that herb. 
and set that off to the side so it's all ready. And at this point, I would take, I went over with a fish spatula, go around the edges of the pan, loosen everything up, kind of get everything that's already got a little bit of cook on it and push that up into the center so everything that's still liquid kind of settles to the parts of the pan that are still warm and you don't overcook what's already starting to cook. Uh, what else? At that point, I took three slices of that raw cheese, mm. real thin, not too much. You don't want to overpower what you got going on there. Set that off to the side. And while this is all happening, I'm also cleaning. Clean as you go, you guys. It makes it easier to think about what it is that you want to be doing next. If you got a mess, it'll distract you and it'll take you out of your creative zone. All right. So, uh, oh, while the, uh, I just remembered something. So while those onions and serranos were in the pan, I took a little bit of habanero rock sea salt <gasps> and put that in there. What is that? I've never <laughs> even heard of that. Well, I mean, it's just that you got it. You take a habanero and you dehydrate it and you powder it and that goes in with your rock sea salt. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If so. you took a fresh jalapeno and you put it in the salt, could you dry it out that way? Could yeah, you, you could first do this dry with, it? You could do it with anything, but really. If you took the rock salt and you put the habanero in its fresh state in the salt and let it dry over time in there and then pulverize it, you I don't could see just why do you it couldn't. All. Just because yeah. it would t- it would pull in the flavor, wouldn't it, while it was drying? Absolutely. And yeah. then when you pulverized it, and it would keep it like safe at room temperature. Yeah, yeah. I mean, peppers. I think they have an antibacterial quality anyway. A lot of the time, like if you leave them in the fridge, they'll they'll, they'll break dry down. up. Yeah. My, my little Thai chilies do that. They become little hard chilies after a while. I buy yeah, them. Yeah, they're still good. Together. Yeah, they're yeah. still good. I still yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, okay. So habanero salt. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, that's great. You've taught me two things now. One, habanero rock salt. Two, no salt in the eggs because of the lecithin, the lecithin and it makes it rubbery. It changes the protein of the in the egg. Exactly. It changes the albumin in that's the egg. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. So, uh, so all that egg, it's been going real low and slow. I, I go from one side and flip uh, the, the egg over onto the other and take that out and put it right next to the onions and the serranos in a, a separate dish and let it finish by itself with the heat that's still in the eggs like you would a piece of meat where you would take it off like five degrees before it reaches like legal temp or something like that so that the heat carries over. And the way I'm talking about it is there's still a little bit of liquidy egg on top. Right? right. So like your your instincts are like this isn't done. Uh, right. But if you if you flip it over so that it's sealed in there, it's like a kind of like a, a classic omelet in a way. But that way it stays nice and moist and it's it's it Do just you makes tent it, it. Did you tent it? No. You just left it. You took it off, let it cook itself. You didn't even you didn't tent exactly. it, you didn't cover it, nothing. No, I wanted to vent because if you keep it in there for too long and you do tent it, then it can overcook and it oh, gets okay. it's okay. rubbery. Yeah. So it stays soft and it kinda gets like a texture of meat, like like a poached chicken or something even more delicate than that. Um, so at that point I start constructing, uh, I, what goes into the pan at that point? I don't think anything else even went into the pan. I take the bread and, uh, over the, the crispy side of the bread or no, no, pardon me. The soft side of the bread, I put just a little bit of mayo, maybe like three quarters of a teaspoon of organic mayonnaise and probably the same amount of the stone ground mustard, probably actually a little bit more of the stone ground mustard, and uh, tried to fill in all those little crannies. And on top of that went the, um, what went next? On top of that went the uh, onions and the chilies. So you got that nice base where a lot of people would put the uh, the egg first, but I, I would want to put the egg on top of the onions and the chilies so that there's something in between the bread because the bread will soak up all the juice from that egg, and I, I would rather have that kind of meld with everything else. 
on top of that went uh, the uh, oh the chicken skin ah the yeah. chicken skin you'd put to the side the and chicken, you the chicken skin. somewhere finally julian i knew that something you. else went in that pan so uh i took a little bit of greek yogurt and uh, the greek yogurt i put on top of the i took that uh the the chicken that i had cut real thin put that on top of the egg because it was already cooked and i didn't want to recook it i just right. wanted the heat that was in the egg to kind of warm it up a bit took maybe like two teaspoons of the Greek yogurt and put that on top of that whole thing and kind of just like painted it on so it would kind of like meld together a bit. Sure. And the chicken skin, I put that in the pan, turned the pan off and put just a little bit of liquid from the Greek yogurt, not the Greek yogurt itself, sure. but the, the way that was separating on that to kind of give it a little bit more of a flavor, you know? Yeah. And uh, so turn that off, let it do its thing. The uh, so you got your you got your bread with your your mayonnaise and your stone ground mustard. On top of that is your onions with your serrano and that habanero chili uh, salt. On top of that, you're putting your egg that's got that thin cut chicken and that Greek yogurt, and uh, that also has that hot house um, or the uh, pepper house. Uh, hot sauce and the it. cheese the cheese is going on top of oh, that oh the cheese isn't already melted on the omelet no 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 the no, cheese no, no, is no, no. separate okay also i've got my oven turned up to about 500 oh. degrees right so all that's going into a pyrex baking dish just by itself no oil in the bottom of the pan nothing just going dry that goes into the oven with that cheese on top for about i'd say 90 seconds two minutes tops probably closer to 90 seconds um, and by the way, this it's heaping. There's a lot going on here, right? It's yeah, like it's spilling. four eggs. Four eggs is it's big. Yeah, it is. But uh, that's what I'm that's what I'm going for. I want it to be like overwhelming in a way. Um, so that goes in the cheese, just just enough cheese so that it's kind of sealing everything together like a blanket. Take that out once it's all melted, and on top of that is going your chiffonade uh, basil. Oh, and there was a, a single Roma tomato that oh, I, I was going to ask if there was going to be tomato. Yeah, yeah real yeah. real thin. The uh, I cut a single Roma, took off the bottom, took off the top and the sides, and uh, got about five slices over the top. After that, that cheese is melted. Went the um, the basil and then the tomato so you've got bread mayonnaise stone ground mustard you got your onion with your habanero salt and a single serrano you got your four eggs with that pepper house hot sauce you've got your chicken skin uh that's been uh crispy fried in that way you have the um the chicken that was sliced real thin on top of the egg with your greek yogurt on top of that is your cheese. The crispy fried chicken skin went on top of the cheese. Then your chiffonade basil. Then the uh, the thin slice Roma. And on top of that is a sauce that Isabel, my lady over here, made. That's just like a classic uh, roasted uh, roasted salsa. So that just lightly dressed over the top. And uh, that, that was kind of breakfast wow. this morning. And you split it. Yeah. Okay, that's gonna be yeah. like four eggs. You, that's crazy. Yay! I think we ended up calling it the spicy open face primitive or something like that. Wow. Yeah. That's so there's awesome. a lot of places you could put weed in there. There are oh so many. I yeah. mean, well, it depends how you make. It depends what you do with your weed. I I put it in both uh, butter and olive oil. Oh, I know. But oh, uh, yeah. with the olive oil. I don't like to add it until late because if you get the temperature too high on it with the weed in it, not only does it denature the tastes of the uh, the olive oil, 
it, it just, it gets funky. So I yeah, would yeah. probably put it in, I'd put, I'd put it in your egg. It's the easiest place to put it. It's just extra fat in your egg. Totally. Just like a table and a tablespoon would be too much because the way I make it is so strong. So I'd add like a teaspoon. Y'all, both of you would be on your asses all day. It'd be fun. <laughs> so like a teaspoon of, uh, of weed, uh, olive oil in the eggs especially when you're doing it low and slow like that yeah, so yeah. they would it wouldn't change the flavor of the olive oil because that, that always makes me crazy when people make weed butter or they put it into their oil and they kind of burn their oil or they yeah. bring it up to a temperature where it denatures the flavor of the oil right and so then it's like kind of what you made is inedible so that's when you have weed <laughs> treats where you're trying to circumvent where it's like i'm trying to hide the weed flavor i'm trying to but they're not really trying to hide the weed flavor they're trying to hide the burnt oil flavor right is what happens in so many edibles that i find and i'm like oh and you're trying to choke it down and it's like this has to do with the quality of the baker <laughs> not totally. with the you know not has nothing to do with the weed so I know a bunch of people that would use the bacon fat or the coconut oil as well. I mean, yeah. like, I know that you want to heat it up a lot of the times, but like because both of those become liquid at room temperature, you can just let them kind of soak and do their thing and then pulverize them when you want and use it like an herb oil, you know, yeah. and then fold it into your eggs or put it in with your onions after you take them off the heat because you, like you're saying, you don't want to fuck your, your weed up. Well, if I was going to deal with putting weed into bacon fat, I would first put the fat back into water. I would clarify my fat in water right. before I did anything because you'd want it to be like good lard. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. at that point, if you're not going to make your own, I mean, it's make your own lard day, but if you're not going to make your own lard, I mean, you can buy lard, but I, I think it would be better to make it from scratch just because it'll yeah, have so much sure. more flavor Hell yeah. than the... And it's more fun. Right, absolutely. Yeah. But the, the thing that when I put my weed into my oils at this point, I really go low. I never really go above 180. You, so, what's your reasoning behind that? Just to because there, there's a couple else. ways. Uh, there's a couple reasons. Number one, the vaporization point of THC is 180 degrees. Okay. So if you're doing it in an oven and you like lift it and stir it, everything that goes into the air was all weed that could have been captured into your stuff. So you don't want to get it too hot because then you vaporize the product that you're trying to put into the to the oil. But then also, when you bring your oils up too hot, you can mess with the flavors so i like to work at like 170 degrees for like eight hours all right i like that but, make your house smell all beautiful yeah like there's so much weed but uh decarbing if you do you decarb first no okay so decarbing is a great method to get way more thc out of your uh original weed but if you do it if you decarb it too hard then you can get off flavors in the weed that then get transferred into your food. So you have to be really careful. Will you explain what decarbing yes. all, so is all about? So it's decarboxylation of okay. your weed before you cook it. So what you do is you excite, you put, you take your weed and you grind it up really finely and so you good. stick it on a sheet pan and you put it in the oven at like 220 to 250 degrees for okay. like 22 to 30 minutes. Right. Basically when you start smelling it, that's when you're like, it's getting decarbed. Now, sometimes we'll decarb it really hard. And it like the heat like excites the THC. Oh, it gets so happy. It's so excited. And it wants to go in the oil and become weed. Yay! So you, and basically what you're doing. So what you're, when you're decarboxylating, you're taking everything that isn't THC and you're turning it into THC. So THCA is something that the plant makes early on when it's growing. And THCA is in the stems and the leaves and all these other things that aren't necessarily the buds. So if you take, and same thing with CBD, CBD also has 
CBDA, which is the acids of the CBD before it becomes its own cannabinoid. It's, a, it's another cannabinoid. There's so many in the plant. But when you're decarbing, you're taking all of your THCA, which is like a pre, it's, a, it's pre-THC. Okay. And when you add heat to it, it becomes THC. Right. So that's what you do is you turn your THCA into THC, which is decarboxylation. Then you throw that into your fat and then you deal with it there. I love and it'll it. Be, it'll be twice as strong to four times as strong, depending, because the longer you let it go, the more you're going to turn things into THC, but then you also start fucking with flavors. Right, right. Because your, your leaf gets too crispy. Okay. So. I like I love food science. It's so cool. Like, I never got as deep into the whole weed part of food science as, as I, like, half the people that I know in Santa Cruz are, like, certified fucking doctors when it comes to weed. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's amazing. Like, I, I know just a small amount about what you've been talking about because I've got some friends that are, like, sick and, like, they use the different kinds of the... CBD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I had a friend THCA. recently that had like, cancer, like, riddled through her body and she ended up getting on cbd she lost like 80 pounds and like six months later cancer free wow right it's yeah, so badass so and she was like i don't want to do chemo and she just yeah. she did and and it, the thing is like for folks that don't know i mean i imagine most of your listenership it is like a fan of uh the uh psychoactive componentry but um the, her whole thing was non-psychoactive. Like she just right. went after the the medicinal part that was going to attack the the cancer, and it it worked wonders. It's a THCA is another one that's not. It's only psychoactive if you take it in like huge quantities, which I which I've done, which is crazy. But CBD is actually THC's natural opposite. So okay. if you get wicked super high, let's say you took some dabs and you're losing your mind, you're like ah, like ninety six percent THC. My mind is blown. I believe in aliens that's half the comics i know yeah yeah so then if you take some tape or you take some cbd it evens you out it's right. the weirdest thing so if you get super high on dabs and then you take some cbd tincture it'll just like shwoop, and that's like where it's normalize just, you. it's that that's non-psychoactive cbd like it brings you back down it's cbd i mean psychoactive not they're there are 52 active cannabinoids in the plant that we know of right now. Okay. There are probably more. Right. right? Everything from CBD, which helps epileptics, which is like My an anti-seizure. An Been doing it since he was like 18, something like that. I think his doctor prescribed him two joints a day when he was 18. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's an anti-seizure. And that's the CBD is the cannabinoid that works on that. Like THCA is what's in the plant before it turns into THC. That's really great for cancer and really great for healing. If you have a sore throat or you're sick and you just drink a bunch of that, it's like your body just somehow heat. I think because like... The way to think about it is as a plant grows, it's like THCA, the plant is going, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing. And if there's something wrong with your body, your body goes, because we all have these endocannabinoid system and it fills in there and it goes, grow, fix, change, grow. And so like it does something with your body to fix cancer. I have no idea. I'm not a scientist. Um, but then there's this, there's this one called CBN and it makes you go to sleep. Um, like night night and it's really easy to make your if you have weed at home and you have trouble sleeping right. this is how you make cbn cbn oh, is the cannabinoid I'm curious I'm an insomniac so let's hear what you okay. got Okay so cbn is the cannabinoid in the plant that tells the plant to die it okay. says go to sleep plant you're done you're done flowering stop it So this it. is like end of october right Yeah it's just in the plant depending on your cycle but it's the one after it buds 
the buds themselves turn into CBN, meaning it's they're saying, okay, plant, die for a while. Okay, we're done. We're done making our flower. Go bye, bye bye. Right, right. But it basically it's what happens when THC gets a ton of sun okay. and it turns into CBN. So if you take your weed, your good high THC weed, and you put it in a glass container and you stick it in the sun for a week and then you smoke it, right. you'll have turned the THC into CBN. So all you have to do is take your good quality herbs and leave them in like a mason jar mm-hmm. in the sun. Mm-hmm. You For like a week. Covered or uncovered? Um, I would keep a I'd keep a lid on it. It's just the sun that's going to denature it and and sort of age it. Okay. Um, and the heat of the sun will help it too. But after a week, it's going to turn into. So they're making tinctures now with specifically CB, CBN and it like it's in a black bottle and it makes you fall like a little bit. Just makes you like within twenty two minutes you're just asleep. But you can make it yourself by smoking it. So just take your good weed. Take a little, just try it with a little nug. Yeah. Take a, a like little that. nug of weed, put it in the sun, wait a week, and then smoke it. See what or just happens. smoke your old, if you find any old, old weed and you smoke it, you'll find that you'll probably fall asleep because it's a CBN. I have uh, several friends that would be like, that's just because you're getting stoned, you know? But at the same time, like, I imagine that you're, you're spot. I, I want to know, like, what's the specific, like, uh, like, if you had to guess, like, you're saying a week, but, like, in what environment, like, because there's so many variables in temperature and, like, humidity, and, like, I know you're in a jar, but, like, the, uh, the actual heat you're getting, the radiant heat, it's going to be variable based on where you are, right? So, like, if you had to guess, like, what's your, what's your like, foundation level temperature? Are you basing that on San Francisco? Yeah. Yeah, I'm basing it on San Francisco. Okay, but San you Francisco windowsill in the sun. Cloud cover, like how? What percentage of the year? You know, what I mean, like I, it, you I, could do it naturally on a farm if you just look at a plant that's dying that they didn't take the they didn't take the buds off of. I got you. And if you just took that, it'd be riddled with it. But the other way to do it is to take your THC weed and decarb the fuck out of it. Okay. Just let it go. Because then you're going to torch it past THC right. and you're going to torch it into CBN. Right, right, right. So you can do that too. You can, I mean, it's the same way you can use these products that we have as humans to change. We can put um, weed into alcohol. So marijuana, cannabinoids are both fat soluble and alcohol soluble. They're not water soluble, which is why you can make bubble hash. Okay. Because you use the ice and you use the, you know, the... The grinder the, kind of thing. The, whatever it's called, the washing, not the washing machine, but the dryer, but you turn it off and you, you make your bubble hash. Anyways, it's the reason that works is that it's not water soluble, but it's fat soluble, which is why you can put it into any oil you want. And it's also alcohol soluble. So... I've made potka and pisky. Wait, what? What you are just, these things? You take cheap vodka. Okay. And you get a mason oh, jar. Oh, I got you. And, and you pisky. just pack it with cheap weed. Everything. There's got to be better names. Yeah, I know. There's got to be. Better. And you put the pot. <laughs> you put the pot potka in there. You put the vodka in there, and then you let it sit for about two weeks. And every couple of days, just flip it upside down, kind of shake it around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then within two weeks, you strain it out, and now you have. You, it's drinkable, it tastes, it has an herbaceous flavor, and it's riddled with THC. Now, if you take that and you burn the alcohol out of it, you can use it for cooking, you can put it in sugar, you can make like lollipops, Right. you can make suckers of any kind. They, they usually use an alcohol-soluble form. I guess if you took all the alcohol out and then you put it in a food dehydrator, you could turn it into some semblance of a hash. Right. Like a shatter. Okay. Kind of. 
I got a buddy over in Santa Cruz that makes this like ungodly strong tincture that he has dosed me with probably like, I don't know, half a dozen times. Sometimes uh, I was I was down and was like, yeah, let's see what you got. And sometimes he was just like, hey, you want to drink? And then made me something that blew my fucking socks off. Yeah. But it's the sort of thing where like people that have been smoking dabs for years and, and smoke joints all day, they'll be like, yeah, fucking bring it, man. Let's see what you got. And right. then he'll give them like just the tiniest bit in this cat and an hour later people are doing like Alice in Wonderland shit like unable to even consider where their car is and, right. and knowing that if they have any sense they shouldn't uh, try to get home even if they drive two blocks away um, but something I've been wondering is like uh, I like every morning I do a uh, bulletproof coffee you know with like I, I do it with butter I do it with coconut oil something like that huh. so like it, it's basically like um, the it, it makes it so that I don't need to eat until like later in the day wow there's something about the oil because like my i got high metabolism so if like if i consume oil or fat like right off the bat like right when i wake up then it satisfies that initial need for for like the burn some sort of energy and i love coffee and like the whole you have coffee it opens up your lungs and allows more oxygen to get in there but like if you were going to put your oil and coffee like how would you go about doing that what would be the best way to combine those two i would steep a heavy cream in pre-carb in decarbed weed i would decarb my weed and then i would put it into heavy cream i would steep it at a low temperature like i wouldn't want it to scald maybe scalding is fine but not um i wouldn't want it to burn at the bottom of the pan to keep it super low and i just poach it i just um Heavy cream. It's the same way I would make, and then I just strain it out. But I would make creme brulee that way, or All but, right. yeah. yeah. I've been having a request to make creme brulee lately. Yeah. Do but, you do you have a go to for like classic weed recipes at this point? Like, who's the guru when it comes to this sort of thing? Well, the thing is that I never, I haven't been classically trained as you have. I I almost went to culinary school twice, but it just never happened. But I've been working. All you got to do is just work in kitchens. That's what I, they all told yeah. me. But yeah. I've been. I mean, I. I've, I've been cooking since I was, I mean, I remember being like eight and watching Yan Can Cook and writing, yeah. and writing everything That's down. That's the dude that was at my graduation. Oh God, I love it. Yan Can Cook, so can you. Fuck yeah. But he, Yan was I, the best. It was before we even had VCRs. So I wrote down the entire recipe for hot and sour soup and then I made it for my family. Okay. And they were like, whoa. And so I'd sit there as a child and like, I didn't watch cartoons. I would write down, I would watch Julia Child. I would watch Ann Ken Cook. I, I would watch Frugal, Frugal Gourmet was my favorite guy too. And yeah, that guy was awesome. What happened to him? Uh, well, he got uh, accused of pedophilia. For real? Yeah. Oh and God, why well, you got to tinge such a good memory? I know. I love him too. Oh man, he was I the best. That guy. Yeah, but those suspenders definitely spoke to something unnatural in that fucking brain. Yeah. I, but right. I loved his books too. And he's so cheeky and he's such a good writer. He was also a Methodist pastor, which is interesting. But, all right well then it can okay so i i i read and watched all those guys so i've been i mean I, and i've been dealing with food like my whole life i've spent so much time making my own, i make my own pasta i make my own pasta from scratch but i put weed into it it's very very easy um it's not easy to make pasta are you doing like pesto or, or what no i put it in the pasta itself and i have a i have a pasta attachment on my kitchen aid right. and i make my pasta and i then i freeze it and then i oh so you're actually putting in, in actual pasta, pasta itself oh, but, yeah. uh, so when you when you cook it is so your pasta is is pre-cooked no no it's it's, so when it's you, raw and i freeze it and then i get my hot water boiling and i throw it in three minutes later i pull it out and stick it in the sauce and it doesn't mess with the 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 like thc no, if or anything? anything it makes it stronger my my pot pasta is so strong i put it out in basically 150 milligram doses and it's when when my boyfriend and I'll come home from whatever will be late. 
and he'll be like, make some pasta. And I'm like, one serving or two? And if he says two servings in the morning, we're both still high. Like, there's just no, we're like, it's just like, we should always split a serving. But the problem is, so what I've been doing is I've been getting squid ink pasta so that I have my pot pasta, which is looks like pasta you like but that then umami I, that but, shit but is so fucking I use, rough I use, on most people they don't, most people can't handle that squid ink but I use the squid ink pasta so we know which pasta has weed in it and which oh, doesn't that's smart. Right. because one of them's black and one of them's white yeah, yeah, yeah. and so you don't you don't get confused as to like who's eating more of the highly hallucinogenic pasta right yeah so but, if uh, I know a couple of people that have like chronic pain yeah, like yeah. daily yeah so pasta. like oh, if yeah. they're not accustomed to weed or like they have a fear of like it's just gonna I'm gonna be uh, more inclined to overeat and that's gonna be like I know a couple of people have like real bad spinal issues yeah. and like they have like rods in their back or like pins all over their bodies and like they think that like adding the extra weight that th- there's this like preconceived notion that if if I eat too much weed, I'm going to overeat. That's going to add extra weight and it's just going to make my whole system overload and make my uh, my situation even worse. So like, what would you tell these people? I would say get some fucking discipline. No, I mean, I don't know. No, I, I, I eat weed food constantly. It doesn't necessarily make me crazy hungry. If it does, like... The only extra food, I think it's a myth. I don't know. Is it a myth? I don't know. For me, I don't get super munchies. And if I do... I eat like half a cup of cereal and I'm sated. It's like, you know, sometimes, or I'll eat slowly and chew my food more. You know, like if you're really concerned about gaining weight, really? Are well, you, I mean, okay, so is speak it because, to the person that has no fucking discipline and they haven't taken care of themselves. They don't know how to cultivate that awareness, but they're in a state of constant agony and the the route that they've gone down is the western where it's just like shovel fucking pills oh, down Oh, those are throat. terrible, yeah. Awesome. That's what I'm saying. Like, and then so it makes you, you care constipated. About these people, well, no, but that's the problem yeah, yeah, with the word, pills. Exactly. Is that once you're on the opiates, it makes you constipated, so you gain weight anyways because you're constantly uncomfortable and you can't poo, and then you then you're a jerk to people because if you can't yeah. poo and your lower back hurts, like your whole world is fucked. So help me fix these people, Pam. Right. So I would say high fiber. <laughs> high fiber. You know yeah. what I would do? I would Silly make I would make fig newtons. I would make fig newtons with like a mixture of whole wheat and like quinoa flour or something. Something real like scrub brushy for your interiors. Okay. And I would make like a fig newton because... Uh, how about, check this out. If you can make a fig newton... It'll like push I, the poo out. I don't know how to do like the actual like... Uh, the numbers on getting getting your because like you're saying um we're, we're talking about like the milligram amount so like if right, you so want, what i gave you is 35 milligrams approximately between right. 35 and 40 milligrams so like i'm 170 pounds so like if i ate about 20 milligrams i'd probably be happy absolutely right so like if if somebody had an overeating issue and they're gonna eat probably like 10 12 fig newtons at a go <laughs> how would you <laughs> make can't, it because each fig newton would have like at that's least what i'm 20. saying so oh, check me out you can make it so you got like two milligrams each each fig newton so like you're satisfying that munchy thing beforehand you get to where you want to be and then after the fact you don't necessarily want to fill up well you just don't you don't snack on your medicine no we're but i mean we're talking about people that don't have self-discipline okay you know what i mean you just can't so this is a problem that occurred with um there have been a couple chocolate bars uh one of them being kiva there used to be i remember kiva yeah yeah there used to be a pot bakery um, where they would make full cakes and stuff and pies. But the problem was that the cake would have 
30 servings okay. and someone would take it home and the hospital had way too many overdoses because <laughs> not overdoses, but cause you can't overdose on weed. But yeah, if yeah. eight people well, I mean, eat a cake that yeah. was made for 30 people, they're all going to be so high that they're having ego death and they think they're actually dying. They're going to yeah, have yeah. panic attacks. I've had friends they're going to lose their shit. Call me and be like, oh, what do I do? I'm like, just fucking wait it out. Go to it's, bed. That's when you take some CBD because yeah, it'll yeah. counteract, right. but it's already in your they gut. They call the cops on themselves. Yeah, instead, that's, so. yeah, that's, see, that's, that's wow. sad and funny. Well, and so that's what was happening. And that's the same thing with a Kiva bar. When you buy a Kiva bar, it's 150 milligrams. Now it looks like a regular chocolate bar. And when you go out and you buy a Hershey bar, I don't need a whole Hershey bar anymore. I eat half a Hershey bar, but still that would be 75, 75 milligrams. Yeah. Now for me, 75 milligrams, I can handle it because I'm kind of a professional, but each little square is like 15 milligrams, which is totally perfect. Right. And they tell you on the packaging that this is, you know, a recommended dosage of edible THC is 10 milligrams. So they're trying to tell people this is what it is, but a lot of people will just eat the whole cake. Right. And so, but people will also do that with their opiate medication. You're only supposed to take one every six hours, but some people oh, will yeah, eat the whole cake. You know, they'll yeah, just, yeah. Nah, <laughs> you know, they'll take about. like, they'll be like, I'm going to smoke the cake. <laughs> They're going <laughs> to yeah. smoke in the pills or whatever. I don't know what happens with opiates. But I mean, do you know anybody that does like little micro dose sorts of things like that? Because I know a bunch of people that would be down for that sort of thing. Just nibbling all day and keeping themselves at that happy place, knowing that they're probably, and there could be that high fiber. There's somebody that's got to be there doing is. something that's like a good quality like good ingredients and it's got the the herb in there so it's it's medicinal and you get to just keep giving yourself what you want and what you need there's at a the medi- same time there's a medicated cracker jacks on the on the market okay but the whole box is like 50 milligrams so each piece of popcorn is like two milligrams right. there's another there's the blueberries so addictive, there's though. the chocolate covered blueberries i think they're by kiva too and they're delicious and they're between two and five milligrams a piece they also make each blueberry yeah like the uh, little guys or okay. chocolate covered coffee beans right so it's like you can sort of i've made candied nuts i do nuts all the time i'll make a caramel mm-hmm. and uh so i start with my weed butter and a little bit of regular butter because i like the milk solids in there for flavor and then i'll add my sugar and a little bit of corn syrup because it helps it not bloom later at room temperature uh, and I'll make just I'll make a caramel I'll add my cream or you know condensed milk if I'm feeling like lazy uh, and I'll make a caramel with weed in it and then I'll take my nuts and dump them in there and mix them all around and then throw them out on a sill pat and kind of Hell yeah. separate them out and then you could eat each individual nut and it would probably have but I usually I sort of prefer the way I package things to put them into squares and then put them in little things but Sometimes I'll just make candied nuts. Yeah. That, that would be the way to, you could do peanuts. You could do sunflower. You could do any, you can candy anything you do um, just with caramel. So just make a pot caramel and then blah, 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 blah. <laughs> with uh, what's the date that's coming up right now where everything's going to become recreationally legal. January 2018. Okay. So like January 2018, the whole market's probably going to change dramatically, right? Well, it's so hard to understand what's happening because no, none of us are lawyers. We're all just potheads and no one truly knows what the laws are right now and what's going to happen. I think the same things are going to exist dispensary wise is that now in my dream world, this, I would turn this into a pot bakery, but I can't because there's a there's Boys and Girls Club, right, right. less than 400 meters. There's a school, less than 400 meters. There's another school that's half a mile away. So one of the things is you have to be a certain distance from children. What is that distance? It's like 400 
feet do you know who or, or where feet. you would go to like actually get the numbers on That's these sorts the of things crazy stuff is we don't know yet so what's going to happen the, what i've been told is going to happen is that the atf is going to become the atmf it, for it, real it doesn't oh okay um it's going to become the alcohol tobacco firearms and marijuana bureau oh, and i think that scary. what's going to happen is they're going to take the money out of prosecuting individuals on the street for low-level weed offenses right. and they're going to turn it to the farmers that aren't going quote-unquote legal so what's happening is that because of what we voted on if you have a farm and you've been growing you have to become legal in that there's a certain amount of water you have to pay for there's a certain amount of electricity because they're trying to deal with the environmental impacts of weed farms also they want to tax the fuck out of everybody so they're going to start down at the farmers and they're going to go all the way up now with the recreational thing i'm hoping that what happens here is sort of what has happened in both oregon and uh, washington in that medical marijuana stays the same but what happens is that that sort of moves to a back room for people with their medical card everywhere else it's just legal so you can so you walk in but the price will be way jacked up because if you walk in to seattle you can walk into a store and you can buy weed but it's going to be like 75 bucks an eighth that's like what that's it what is. it was when i was in high school right yeah so legally it'll be 75 bucks an eighth for anybody but if you have your medical card like most of us do here in California. You can walk into the back room where everything will still be priced the same way. They'll have their specials where you spin the wheel or get your free eighth or do whatever you do. But that front room is sort of going to be that place where people are getting their tax money from because the growers have to charge more for their weed now because they're getting taxed. And now the dispensaries are going to have to jack up the price because they're going to be taxed and it gets moved to the buyer. But then the buyer goes, well, I only want to play this price. So then economics gets in play and who knows? I mean, I'm not, I don't really understand economics. So yeah, it's, but I think that the way the money's going to change is they're going to take the money out of penalizing the individual and criminalizing the individual. And they're going to put it toward criminalizing farms that aren't on, you know, brand. For example, in um, Humboldt, They've redistricted some of the zoning. So some people have had pot farms for 25, 30 years, and suddenly where they're growing is not a play, not zoned for it. So if they're going to continue growing, they have to move. They have to sell their farm and move to another place. So there's like a specialized version of agriculture just for that category of growing? Right. They're, they're rezoning different areas for specific crops or right. whatever. And they're uh, saying that... So there, th that's the thing is, who's going to get fucked in the end? The farmer. Yeah. That's always what happens with everything. Like artichokes get exciting, fuck the farmer. Everybody loves avocados. They're, you know, four bucks a piece, fuck the farmer. Well, I mean, Give them five cents. I hear where you're coming from with that. The farmer does always get fucked, but like they're, they're still going to be fucking the individuals. Like, I don't know if they're doing it here yet, but I've been having conversations with people about uh, some of the other states, mostly on the East Coast, but I've been hearing that it's being implemented here now too, where like, uh, Police officers are being given carte blanche to determine who is high, like behind uh -huh. the wheel. And like you can be arrested now with a cop just being like, you're high. Like you could be tired. You could have been swimming in a pool and have bloodshot eyes. Sure. You could have like a bad hip and walk fucked up when you're doing your, your street uh, test sure. by the cop. And they get to make final determination as to whether or not you're under the influence and okay to drive. So wow. like DUI is like one of the main things that people get fucked over for in the state. And now it's they got this whole new thing. Yeah. Marijuana. 
on, on earth. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's kind of scary, Damn though. It. Everybody Damn. I know smokes weed or eats weed or does yeah. some drinks weed, whatever. But I mean, it just seems like a thing where like they could pick at random and 90% of the people I know would get hosed badly. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's how um, it still is in Texas. More than a handful is a felony. Now, here's the thing. Whose hand? I have tiny, I have tiny, tiny hands. Yeah. Does the cop have huge hands? Are we using a cop hand? My hand? The dog's hand? Whose hand? What are we? Dogs have paws. I'm sorry. But like, I have tiny hands. So if more than a handful is like, I have more than a handful in my bag right now, that would be a felony right. in Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's insane to me. That's one of many reasons to not live in Texas. Well, there's the, the, tra the, the, the draconian drug laws in our country and then from state to state how it differs and the moralistic, like the stigmatization of uh, of marijuana users is insane. The whole, who our, uh, our attorney general, the Jeff Sessions guy who said, well, I used to think the KKK had some upstanding people till I found out that they smoked marijuana. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's like well, I mean, we're we're all we're demon, but the stigma is being lifted, and finally, at least here, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with the, the legalization and just everybody. The the it's not even legalization, just the decriminalization. Yeah, the rec real is realization of it yeah yeah so besides being a chef justin you're also a comic yeah 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 i'm a comic also i've Dad. been uh, doing stand-up for like seven and a half years wow that is a long time yeah i have an indomitable spirit and can take any amount of bombing it doesn't matter <laughs> well and now there's actually a lot of open mics in or not open mics but shows even in uh in Santa Cruz. Oh yeah, we're the, so there's actually, a bunch got a, of things going on. I got a, a card over here about our comedy festival. Our good friend DNA, he puts this festival together every year. Um, I think it's like the fourth year uh, there, it's been going on. Yeah, and there's it's going to be going on. I think starting the 28th, and then the shows that are like we got shows on Halloween. I'm not about sure about the 29th, uh, but um, it goes all the way up to the fourth. And like we got Joe DeRosa coming out this year. That's it was a, a badass really long and, festival. That's an yeah. eight day festival. It's a really cool style too, because like That's it's set up intense. with like, yeah. But I mean, it's cool because like if you can't make it on one day, then there's other days. I mean, we wish that people would come out every day and, and participate in as many of these shows as they can because uh, it's something that's been building over the years and there's a lot of support from the community out there but like there's a business like Rosie McCann's that, that support us every week we have there's there's a lot of shows out there there's a show at, at the uh, Poet and the Patriot every Monday there's a show at Bocce Cellar on Tuesdays that you can smoke weed at uh, yeah there's uh, Rosie McCann's on Wednesdays the Blue Lagoon has been going for about 10 years now that's DNA's room that place uh, is that is it is awesome it's hard to, for me to drive down there from the city for three minutes but the time I yeah. at the time I did it once it was a, it was great it was packed I had a good set yeah. but he runs it tight yeah that's kind of like our cheers it's a place where everybody knows your shame and uh, <laughs> we all love being there um, Fridays uh, there's oh actually this Thursday for those of you that are into comedy there's going to be a clean show at Abbott Square at the Museum of Art History uh, and then right after that we're doing the Blue Lagoon so um, yeah, there's a lot of good comedy going on out in Santa Cruz. There's a bunch of us that are involved in this thing called the Santa Cruz Comedy Coalition. You can check out the website. Uh, I think it's just Santa Cruz Comedy Coalition dot com. Uh, you can look up SCCC. Uh, there, there's people all over Instagram and shit like that. 
Um, I'm not very tech savvy or uh, social media savvy, but my lady's been trying to school me on how to do all that. So, like, you can find me on there at Simply Jivey 24-7. I think she just posted my first video of me ranting about my crazy Croatian grandmother who used to say uh, horrible things to me and my father uh, just out of uh, tough love and trying to But did she make good pizza? I don't remember her ever making uh, much of anything other than us cry. Uh, no, she used to make this badass thing, which was like, um, it's a like peasant style spaghetti that was like focused. That like the focal point was like chicken livers and like uh, brown sugar, which like totally don't sound like they go wow. together. But it was this real deep, heavy, rustic flavor that had this like bright sweetness on top, and she would herb it up. But uh, yeah, no, beyond, beyond that, all she uh, did was like make everybody drink. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, comedy, comedy out there is, is real solid. I recommend everybody come out and check out um, shows out there. If they're not familiar with Santa Cruz, just just check us out. Come on out. The, the festival sounds great. You can, um, can you get festival tickets? Is there a way to see all eight uh, shows? Can people yeah, support by on. getting festival tickets? Let me tickets? grab this thing. I brought it for you specifically. Yeah. Give me like 10 seconds. Let me to give that. Hey, together. everybody. We, this has been, uh, you put your weed in there with chef comedian Justin Ivey. And he is going to tell us all about the Santa Cruz Comedy Festival coming up at the end of this month in Santa Cruz. All right, guys. So if you want more information about this festival, then you're going to want to go to StandUpSantaCruz.com. There are a whole bunch of shows happening on Saturday, October 28th. That's the main festival uh, day. There's uh, starting at 6 p.m. There's a show at uh, Streetlight Records. And then uh, we've got a whole bunch of really cool people that are going to be on at 630. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of Chad Opitz, but he's a oh, friend of mine. Oh, I love Chad Opitz. Yeah, he's, he's going to be doing his nervous energy thing with DJ Real. Oh, I love DJ Real. Hell yeah. He's that's gonna be at, uh, awesome. <laughs> hell yeah. It's going to be a great show. Uh, there's also, uh, where are we at here? From Tim and Eric and The Awesome Show. Oh, wait, no. Is that a podcast? That's a David Lieb Hart. I think uh, Nervous Energy is going to be opening for them. That's going to be at the Atrium. And uh, then at 8 p.m., there's going to be like four different shows at Woodstock's, Rosie McCann's, 99 Bottles, and The Poet and the Patriot. 8 p.m., we've got an all-star headliner show at the Coomba Jazz Center. Uh, I think $25 tickets in advance and 30 at the door. Then there's another show at 8 p.m. at Pure Pleasure. Uh, that's the best of the West Coast. And then at the same time at the Blue Lagoon, we are going to have Wasted Talks. Oh, it's yeah. the Sylvan guys. Yeah, yeah Keith yeah, yeah. D. And, and Justin, Justin Gomez. Justin Gomes, yeah. yeah. Oh, Gomes. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they so, get the people wasted and then they talk about things that they... Yeah, are really expert at, and they have to do a PowerPoint presentation. My buddy Schwa and my buddy uh, Harag are both going to be on that show. I think they're going to be taking shots of whiskey the whole yeah, time. Yeah, and yeah, and they have to try to sound smart. It's very funny. oh yeah, it's going to be uh, awesome. Thank you so colorful. much for being here today. Hell yeah, absolutely. Justin Ivy, my pleasure. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, this has been. I mean, so you are, are you before you never said where you are you currently working chefing somewhere? Yeah, you, I do working? private cooking, oh. and I work for Stanford, and I'm oh. set, like I'm saying I'm. 
I'm setting up my own business. Uh, I'm actually going to be launching something in the very near future. Awesome. I've been rec- uh, people have been recommending I not talk too much about it so people don't jack my ideas. Right, right, right. Don't tell anybody. Yeah, but if you want to see what's going on, you can check me out. Like I said, I have not been very savvy at putting stuff online, but I'm starting to do it a lot more. So you can check me out on Facebook at Justin Ivy or look at uh, Instagram uh, is going to be Justin Ivy or no. What is it? Simply Jivey, 24-7. Well, whenever you have your business up and running, we can always make a commercial for you. Oh, play it during bitchin'. The Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you so much You've for been being here. Oh, you are a delight. I can't wait to get a car and go to Santa Cruz at some point. Uh, and I'll talk to you about um, my comedy festival. I'm taking submissions right now. for right, uh, the. It's the third annual, so I'm... Hell yeah. Unit Radio, we try so hard. Um, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for listening to uh, Some Call Me Tim and uh, this part of the podcast. You put your weed in there. Our special guest Justin Ivy. Big thanks to Trina Roderick for being here on Hour One and teaching us about feminism. Uh, this has been fun. We'll see you guys next week on Mutiny Radio. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for me five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain.